You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Remain standing as we read our foundational scripture. And y'all know the way I preach and teach. The reason why I say foundational scripture versus text, because I'm not a traditional kind of preacher that sticks in one place. But I use a foundation and then build upon that. The foundational scripture comes from Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. And the writer says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmities means weaknesses, human inadequacies, and limitations. But this high priest, our high priest, was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now with that as a foundation, understanding that, he goes on to say, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Be seated this morning. And as you're seated, I want to speak this morning from this subject, faith and feelings. Faith and feelings. I'm very deliberate in not saying faith or feelings. I said faith and feelings. I believe historically in the church there has been two extreme schools of thoughts about feelings specifically. There are those who believe that if you have enough faith and if you're really a person of faith and if you know the word and if you're filled with the spirit, if you pray enough, if you fast enough, if you're God conscious enough, then your faith to nullify your feelings. That's one extreme. In other words, they believe you have faith, then feelings will go away. Or if you have faith, you will always just be able to ignore your feelings. I don't agree with that extreme school of thought. And the other extreme school of thought is that faith nullifies or excuse me, that feelings nullify your faith. That's the other extreme. Feelings nullify your faith. Because some think if you talk about feelings, that means you have no faith. If you cry, that's because you're doubting God. If you're angry, it's because you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Some think that you talk about feeling, you have no faith, but in my years of living, and old I get, I've discovered that feelings and faith can be blended. And I'm very careful, I hardly ever use the word balance. I always talk about stuff being blended because when you try to balance things, you always think things are going to have equal percentage. You always think that the scale is going to be exactly at, uh, uh, at, at 180 degrees. Everything, you know, everything is going to always be linear. 
But if you live long enough, depending on where you are in life and what's going on in your life, sometimes your life feel like this. Sometimes it feel like this. Sometimes it feel, sometimes it feel like you're upside down. But you got to learn to blend faith and feelings. So I've discovered, y'all, that feelings can actually fuel your faith. You know what to believe God for based upon how you feel. You can allow your feelings to push you to a place in God. David put it this way. Psalms 56 and 3, David says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In other words, so when, when, when I feel trepidation, when I feel uh, like I'm about to be overwhelmed, it presses me to a place. No, I just need to trust God in this situation. So the bill comes and you feel like poverty is going to overtake you. No, 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 no. I need to just press, God, press in. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to stand on his word that he's going to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. At the same time, I don't let those feelings overwhelm me. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Uh, uh, I think the traditional King James said, what time I'm afraid. So that tells me, y'all, there are times you will be afraid. Oh, I know you're a mighty man of God. I know you're a mighty woman of God. I know you've been, you got, you've been saved for a long time. You've been in the way a long time. I'm, I've been running for my life. I'm, if anybody asks you what's wrong with me, just tell them I'm saved, sanctified. When you say sanctified, you always got to shake your head like that. You ain't really sanctified unless you shake your head with it. I'm saved and I'm sanctified. Holy Ghost filled, fight baptized. I got Jesus on my side and I'm running for my life. And the truth of the matter is we ought to be running for our life, but sometimes, sometimes look like you can feel like you're running from the devil. What time I'm afraid. I tell them there are going to be times when you feel afraid. I'm going to show you that in the scripture here in a moment. Second Chronicles 23rd chapter. I used to read, because I often read 2 Chronicles 20. We, most of us, uh, people of faith, we, we, we know this chapter because, because we know that, and if you're a worshiper, you know this chapter because the strategy God gave was sent out worshipers first, and uh, you believe, his, believe, believe the Lord your God, you'll be established, believe his prophets, you'll prosper. Uh, it's, it's in this context that we get the scripture, if, I, if my people to call by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, I'll hear their land. But the, before we get to all that, this chapter begins with the word coming to Jehoshaphat, who is king over Judah, that three armies are coming against him. They're coming for you. Three armies about to pull up. I had to make it real practical for the young people. You don't know what coming against you means. If I say pull up, now you get ready. Three armies going to pull up on you, Jehoshaphat. And 2 Chronicles 20 and 3 says, and Jehoshaphat feared. Now I have to honestly tell y'all, I should read the scripture and with my tra uh, if you allow me to say, traditional faith mind, I said, well, fear, fear here, it, it has to mean that he reverenced God. Jehoshaphat feared. I mean, he trusted God. He put God first. He remembered the covenant, but when it says he feared, it means he was scared. Come on. You hear three people about to pull up, you're scared too. You weren't scared, you wouldn't go for the gun. He said, come on, them 
pull up then. No, you prepare for him pulling up. He was scared. So he set himself to seek the Lord. Because he was scared, he said, I need to seek God. Because he was scared, it goes on to say, he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. I need everybody praying. I need us all pressing into God. I need us all, for those of us who come from Bible, come to Bible study, I need us all to press into the spirit and decrease our flesh so we hear God and get divine strategy about what to do in this situation. He didn't ignore his feelings. He let his feelings drive him to trust God. He didn't ignore his feelings. He acknowledged that he was scared, that he was afraid. So he set himself to ask God, God, I, I need you. God, if I had never needed you before, I need you now. And he asked everyone to proclaim a fast. And the purpose of, press of, of fasting, y'all, is not to bargain with God. Fasting doesn't give you, doesn't make God, oh, wow. Wow, look what they were willing to sacrifice to me. I got to give them something. Oh, they turned down a meal. And for all you millennials who don't fast no more, talking about I'm fasting social media. I done heard it. I've heard people grow up in this church. Well, I, no, I fast social media. We didn't say social media. We said food. And if you're going to be in agreement, we all need to be doing the same thing. We call a fast. He called a fast. When the pastor calls a fast, I call a fast. You don't choose how you fast. Don't make me come down there. Well, well I, I, I'm fast on social media. I'm fast in the housewives of Atlanta. A fast means we're turning our plates down. We're denying the flesh to take that time to build up our spirits. That's the purpose of fasting. Now, if all you do is not eat, you're just dieting. So the time that you would be would be doing these other things. Now you focus on feeding your spirit. He called a fast. He proclaimed the fast throughout Judah. The, uh, uh, the message translation makes this real plain. Okay? Second Chronicles 23, it says, Jehoshaphat was shaken. Because he was shaken, he prayed, and he went to God for help, and he ordered a nationwide fast. Not, not even churchwide. A nation. He was shaken. Let me make it real plain. He was shook. Any of y'all ever go through something you were shook? Oh, yeah. Keep on living. There are things that will shake you. It will rattle you. But when you feel yourself being shook, you realize, I need something to anchor me. When you realize something is trying to shake you, you feel yourself being shook. I need to stand on the rock. I just can't allow myself to be shaken. And these feelings of being shaken is now going to cause me to press into God. So our text tells us in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest, and Jesus is our high priest. You know, uh, Hebrew letter, he's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, meaning he had neither beginning nor end, that he's eternal with the Father. Jesus is our high priest. He said, we do not have a high priest, King James says, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The Amplified, that verse says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and had shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults 
of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we yet without sinning. What blesses me about this scripture is saying that Jesus understands your feelings. It's not only saying he, can, he understands them, he says he, he, can, he empathizes and he sympathizes with our feelings. He shares in our feelings. Now, y'all, there are some people who cannot relate to your situation. I, and as much as I, you know, I, I believe I've had a pretty, I've had a pretty, uh, uh, um, you know, diverse life. That's a good way of putting it. From humble beginnings to where God blessed me now, I've been able to do things and travel the world, even though I started off in the project and all that. But there's some experiences in life I have not had. I often think about it, I ain't making a judgment, but I just happened to see an article yesterday that, that Harry said he won't go home. Y'all know who Harry is. If I say Megan, you know who that is? Okay. I read an article that said uh, 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 Harry, the spare prince, based upon his words, he wrote a book called The Spare, that, uh, you know, he's, he's over living in the United States now with his wife, Megan, and um, he won't go home. He misses his friends. He misses his family. He misses his real friends. He feels like these Hollywood people aren't his real friends. Those are his wife's friends. And then you'll find out, some of the folks in Hollywood finding out they ain't friends either. Okay? And I often think about their situation, and sometimes I really don't, don't like to talk about people because I don't know these folks. But there's just something you can relate to or because you've heard about. But I often think about, you know, as supposedly she said, you know, just leave your family. Come on to the United States. We can make it. Write a book, become a bestseller. We can, we can make our own money. She can't relate to being no royalty. She cannot relate to eternal money. <laughs> Wait, she can't relate to not having to make money. Just having money because of how you were born. She can't relate to that. And he can't relate really to having to make money. You mean like I got to work like every day? You mean I have to write another book? <laughs> and then I have to go on tour with this book in order to just make money and keep on living? This is hard. Then the truth of the matter is, y'all, they come from two different worlds. I know y'all think, all y'all talking about, you just, it don't matter, you love who you love. You need to think about who you love. The late, great Tina Turner asked y'all a question. What's love got to do? Got to do? What's love? You better think. You can't just feel. You got to think. I said to somebody this week, don't y'all get mad at me, but it just came up. I said to someone this week, you younger people seem like y'all voluntarily going to drama. I came a long time, we were trying to avoid drama. But like, y'all like, oh well. Y'all like, drama, here I am. You just walk right in, jump right into it. That don't matter, no, all of this matters. And so there are people who can't relate to your circumstances. 
You can't relate to their circumstances. In the case I'm telling you of, of Harry and Megan, they come from two, two different worlds. But yet the scripture says, you don't have to worry about that with Jesus. <laughs> He's touched with the feelings of your infirmities. And that's why he came to earth. He came to earth so he can see how you lived. He came to earth and, and took up and became flesh to raise us up to him, but he first had to come down to us. Come on now. He was tempted and all manners like us, yet without sin, to tell us just because you're tempted, you don't have to sin. He came to empathize and to sympathize with us and to relate to us. The message translation of that text, Hebrews 4.15 said, we don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. There's some people just out of touch with your reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. And because of that, the scripture says, let's walk right up. Come boldly. Walk. Everybody say, walk right up. It says, come boldly to him. Walk right up. Watch this. Pull up on him. <laughs> because he can empathize and say, you can pull up on him, walk right up and get what he so ready, is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. He said, you don't have to worry about Jesus saying, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, why are you here now? He said, because he's been through and can sympathize with us and understands your feelings, your sadness, your anger, your disappointment, your grief. Your stress, your struggle. He said, because I can identify with it and understand, pull right up on me. Come before me. Come on, let's reason together. He said, I'm not out of touch with your reality. Because there are things that, as an African-American man who grew up the way I grew up, there's some people who have totally different circumstances than me. That's why I think people who don't understand other people's circumstances sometimes need to just shut up. I mean, excuse me, be quiet. And listen. I don't know, as fine as I am, I don't know what it's like to be sexually harassed. Imagine that, as fine as I am. I don't know what it's like to be sexually harassed at work. But there's some women here who know that story. There's certain things that I have not been through. That's why sometimes we need to just listen to other people's stories and get to understand, come on, seek to understand then to be understood before you immediately make judgments about people and their circumstances. But Jesus is not out of touch with our feelings. He understands that your faith can be blended with your feelings, and your feelings can drive you to faith. John eleven thirty five, 35, some of the, one of the easiest scriptures to remember, simply says Jesus wept. Jesus wept, which simply means Jesus cried. And the context, and just hearing that Jesus wept or cried, it's, now you know more about the context. The context of John eleven thirty five 35 is that he's at the grave of Lazarus where he deliberately delayed, allowed him to die, knowing he's going there to now resurrect him. And he gets there and says, Father, you know where he talked about this, but he gets there and he sees people wailing and howling and in dire grief. And when he hears them and sees them, he wept right along with them. 
Why would you weep, Jesus? What you crying about? Here we go, y'all. This this, this is how we've been taught in the spiritual. You know you're going to see him again. How many of y'all heard that before? How many of y'all heard when somebody after you died, some some believer just tried to make you, you know you're going to see him again. Yeah, I know I'm going to see him again, but I'm not seeing him right now. I know I'm going to see him again, but I'm not seeing him every day. When I dropped my daughter off to New York, were you with me when we first went up there with her? Were you going with her? Yes, yes, she's look, she, she did like this. She said, oh, yes. Because she's still grieving. I took my daughter to New York. She just supposed to be going up her last semester of college just to, for internship with Cosmo. Paying $3,500 a month for a room that they call an apartment in Midtown, New York. And we leave, and Marsha starts crying. So what you crying about? She said, she ain't coming back. I said, she ain't coming back? She's just there for a semester. She said, she ain't coming back. I said, oh, no, she coming back. Then after the semester, she, my daughter comes and Dad, I, I feel like the Lord called me to New York. <laughs> the Lord called me. This part of my assignment, part of my ministry. Oh, now you got a ministry. You were just in college, your ministry was partying. <laughs> and Marcia was crying, perceiving our present state of our baby girl getting married, living in New York, not being able to see her every day. Thank God for FaceTime. Okay? And she didn't die. And she cried, we cried. Not because we weren't going to see her again but because we weren't going to see her the way we used to see her. I'm trying to help y'all, help, help y'all have empathy when people's love members, uh, loved ones die and transition. Well, you know you're going to see him again, like forget those feelings. No, I, I am going to see him one, again. One day, by and by, when the morning comes, but I don't know when that morning coming. I believe it's coming. Jesus is stuck with the feelings of our infirmity. He wept because he empathized with what they were feeling. That's why Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. He was empathized with what they, he knew he was gonna see him again. He knew God's plan, and yet he was in the moment. Look, somebody say, just stay in the moment. And can I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, being real, I'm being transparent and vulnerable. I didn't come from a family that was very, what y'all would call, some people call mushy. I didn't come from a very emotionally connected family. I remember my mother kissing me when I was 12 years old, went to West Virginia, and I was going to be there that summer with my father and my grandmother, and I remember her kissing me. That, I don't, don't that sound weird to y'all? Because some of y'all used to being kissed by your mother all the time. You can't remember a specific time, but I remember a specific time she kissed me because we didn't kiss all the time. We didn't say stuff like, I love you. And you need to say, we, 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 I mean, like we was, we were hood folks. And so we, what y'all call Jonah, we call it crack. And if I cracked on you, that mean I like you. You know, your nose so big, man. I mean, like, what's wrong with you talking my nose? That mean we cool. 
but it was dysfunctional. And so now I married this woman who want to hug all the time. Come on, put your arms around me. We ain't in the bed. Hold my hand. Well, come on, let's go then. <laughs> no, in the kitchen. In the kitchen? We are mostly disconnected people. Okay? And I had to learn, and because of my experience also, having found my sister when I was 14 years old, I found my sister dead in her apartment. She was 21. Then having another sister when I was... 19, eight, uh, uh, 18, who died. Then my mother died when, two years later when I was, when I was uh, uh, 20, 21 in college. My father died early. And so I, I learned death is part of life. You got to move on. Move on. And to some degree it served me well because I would not be who I am having done what I'd done, including I still look back at it now, having finished college, went straight through even though he called me out of a class to tell me my mother had just died and went through that semester, never missed a beat, graduated a long time. I had to learn to stop and be present in other people's feelings. I had to learn that you don't have to ignore feelings. I had to learn it is okay to process feelings. And I had to learn that my feelings have nothing to do with the fact that I'm still a man of faith. Are y'all hearing me here? And some of you, you have to learn that too. And that scripture Jesus wept tells us the man himself who God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all that were pressed of the devil, the one who was king of kings, lord of lords, the one who came to earth to represent the father, he stopped and he wept because they were weeping. We, there's a hymn most of us know who grew up in the church, especially in the Baptist church. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. And he will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. But verse 3 is the one I really like. It said, there's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one, no, not one. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. No, not one, no, it's letting us know that Jesus is present with you in your feelings. Oh, come on now, even when you're feeling some kind of way, Jesus says, I understand. Even when you say, I ain't feeling this, Jesus knows and Jesus understands. Isaiah 53 and three tells us, prophesies about Jesus in this regard. He said he is despised and he's rejected of men, but he's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. A man of sorrow, he's acquainted. He understands, he can identify, sympathize, and empathize with your grief. He said we hid our faces from him. He's despised and we didn't esteem him not. So because we have a savior, because we have a high priest, because we have an advocate, because we have an intercessor who's acquainted with griefs and whatever other emotions that we feel and experience, Hebrews 4.16 said you can come boldly. I don't know if y'all ever talked to, and, and, and I know sometimes some of y'all think because the way I preach, ain't no sense me talking about talking to Bishop about having no financial problems because he tell us it. So you scared to 
say anything to me. And listen to me tell him that, because he's going to, because you think, you think I don't longer identify. But I remember. He says, you don't have to be afraid to bring your issues to him. You can come boldly. Everybody say boldly. I would tell you boldly because a lot of us, we grew up in the church where they didn't come boldly. The way they prayed, it wasn't bold. This morning, Heavenly Father, we come to you just as humble as we know how. Thanking you, Lord, like, like, like you expecting if you get any closer, lightning bolt, boom! He said, no, you don't have to creep up on them. Come boldly. Come on, let's talk about it. Bring your feelings to me. Bring your tears to me. Bring your fears to me. We can come boldly. So the text, but yet the text also implies if we don't know how to deal with our feelings, they can cause us to sin. Because he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, touching all manners like us, tempted like us, feels what we feel, felt what we felt, and yet without sin. You can't allow your feelings to cause you to sin. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.